You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your host, Christy and Scott. Timmy Crimey. Patreon edition. Patreon edition. I'm Christy. I'm Scott. And we are going to be bringing you an exclusive story this week told by me. This is the story of Mary Edens and the Babs Switch Schoolhouse Fire. See, I'm going into this completely blind. I have no idea what's going on with any of this. I'm lost. I'm just like you. (laughs) Or you know what? Maybe I'm even behind you. Maybe you've heard of this before. I'm a babe in the woods. <laughs> well, babe in the woods, get ready. Please hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christmas Eve, 1924, there was a Christmas program at the Bab Switch Schoolhouse. Now, this is a little one-room schoolhouse, wooden, you know, the your standard, basically, for those days. Uh, around, it really depends on who you ask, anywhere from 100 to 150 to 200 community members came to the schoolhouse to watch this Christmas program, you know, bring their kids, see the kids do songs and carols and everything, presents being exchanged. What part of the uh, world are we in right now? Um, this is in Oklahoma, that's right. <laughs> it took me a second. Oklahoma. This is, this is in Oklahoma, uh, I believe it's in Kiowa County, although if I'm wrong about that, I'm sure somebody will let me know someday. So a 16-year-old named Dow Bolding was playing Santa, and he bumped into the Christmas tree. And as I'm sure you're aware, they didn't really have uh, a lot of electric lights in uh, 1924. So it was candles on a tree with dry needles, paper decorations, and tinsel. Oh, my God. Yes. So it just went up. And it's pine sap, too. Yeah, Extremely flammable pine sap. And it gets worse, believe it or not. No. So they try to smother the fire, Dow and a couple of others. They knock it over. Okay. The fire spreads. Now, the school door opened to the inside. So everybody panics. Piles up against the door. You can't get it open because of the crush and the pressure. Yes. The windows. Well, there's windows. Nope. Barred to keep vandals out. There were... Uh, this has become the perthi- uh, perfect death trap, then. Oh, it gets worse. No, no, <laughs> it can't get worse. You're you're trapped in a room that's on fire Christmas Eve, so you're not even going to know what you got for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no, you're definitely not, uh, because uh, the room was lit, as was the, the, the standard in those days, by gas lamps, which exploded in the fire. And one more. You ready? No, I'm not. I feel so sad already. I know, right? This little wooden schoolhouse had just gotten a fresh coat of white oil paint on the ceiling. So when the fire got up there, there was a flashover. And I'm sure you've seen it in movies and TV. When just the fire reaches the ceiling, it's just whoosh. It hits that flashpoint. Yes, yes. Right. At, like at 185 degrees, nothing's going to happen. At 186, that's whenever all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha, exactly. So, uh, and of course, there was no firefighting equipment and no nearby running water. There were uh, 32 to 33, depending on who you ask, deaths on site. 37 people were injured, and three of those would die uh, in the following days. More than half of the dead were children. Of course. It was the sixth deadliest school fire in the U.S. on record. Jesus. Not great at all. Now, this did 
there are a couple of sort of good things that happened as a result. The, the state legislature made rules that you have to, for public buildings, uh, every room must have at least two doors and all doors open to the outside. Uh, and I'm sure there were other rules put into place, but those are the two main ones. All over the U.S., the story got printed in the media and people sent money to help with all the, 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 the mounting medical and funeral costs. I feel this is where the crime part comes in. It's getting there. Yeah, it's getting there. Although maybe a little bit more later. It's, it really depends on which way you spin it and which, uh, which side you believe, honestly. That's why it's such a, an interesting story. Um, that, that Altogether, they sent people from all over the country sent $12,800, which in today's money would be $190,000. Nice. And some children from Muskogee, Oklahoma, sent some of their brand new Christmas presents to the surviving children. Oh, my God. I know. Aww. I'm just sitting there, I'm like, I'm going to cry. So, we have three-year-old Mary Elizabeth Edens, and she had been sitting on her aunt's lap. Her aunt's name was Alice Noah. Alice escaped, and she said that she was sure that once she got outside, she handed Mary over to someone in all the chaos, but she didn't know who it was. She died several days later, so no more information forthcoming, tragically. And the bodies were burned so badly that they were really hard to ID, and they didn't have our more you know modern methods these days anyhow, so they were never really able to find out if Mary Edens was among the dead. So it became this mystery. There were local legends that some strangers took her, I don't know, like just kidnappers who just happened to be there at the right or wrong moment, <laughs> depending yeah. on if you're in their position or, you know, the rest of the world. Whenever you get into that situation, though, there is there is a visceral panic that takes over. Um, I used to listen to this uh, gentleman, Lionel, and you can still see Lionel today. He's online. Okay. Interesting, interesting man. He was very, he was very politically bent, and then 9-11 happened, and it's changed his outlook. Because hmm. he was in New York whenever 9-11 happened, and the stuff he saw did not match what the media was telling him. And he interviewed a woman who was a girl... Uh, out with her, uh, out with her school that day. They were taking like a field trip to the Twin Towers, mm -hmm. and the towers started to come down. And she was holding on to her teacher's, and she was about sixteen or seventeen at the time. She was holding on to her teacher's hand, and she ran and she ran and she ran, and finally she got to safety and turned back, and she realized her teacher was dead, and she had been dragging oh, the body. Sweet Jesus. You know, and she just broke down and just kept screaming, I'm sorry, you know, not realizing that she was dragging this dead teacher behind her. So I understand that in a high panic situation like this, she may have grabbed a child, thought she had had the correct girl, did not. Mm -hmm. So completely understandable. Yeah, that, that seems honestly to be like the most likely explanation, but... Mary's parents, Lewis and Ethel Edens, they, they held out hope for many years. They would hear rumors that people saw Mary, and they, they would hire detectives here and there. Just constant searching. And even at one point, they thought they'd found her. They got blood tests done and ruled her, this person out. So that was a no. Every year around Christmas, of course, local and area papers would print a story about the fire, you know, a remembrance of the fire and the victims and this, this horrible tragedy that happened. So we get to 1956. Now, this is 32 years after the fire. And a man in San Bernardino, California, happens to catch one of these newspaper stories, which 
maybe they published it out there. I'm not really certain how he managed to uh, see it. Maybe somebody told him about it, but... I almost guarantee somebody from the area used to live there, and that's how the paper made its way out. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So he's friends with this woman named Grace Reynolds. And Grace Reynolds had always told him she never really felt like a true part of her family. And she just always wondered if something was being kept from her. And she had this whole mysterious thing going on. So he goes through intermediaries. It's like he gets in touch with somebody who gets in touch with somebody who gets in touch with Betty Reynolds. And it's just a coincidence that they have the same last name because it's married last names. And um, she's the daughter that the Edens had after Mary disappeared. So she never really knew her, her older sister. So Betty said, please don't talk to my parents yet. They just had the blood test situation not pan out. They're still, you know, pretty devastated. I don't want to give them false hope. But she and a couple of, a couple of her siblings, I think, they did blood tests. And the wording of this was very confusing. Um, the blood test couldn't prove they were related, but could prove they weren't related. And I wonder if the wording was supposed to be reversed. Because what happened was Grace had a scar on her foot that matched one Mary had, and they had a reunion. The Edens were absolutely certain. The parents were certain it was her. So I think that the, the wording there might have been that the, the blood tests couldn't prove they were related, basically. Right. I, I think that's what happened. It just got confusing. But the possibility existed that they were. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it couldn't rule it out. Couldn't confirm it either. So, uh, so on February 9th, 1957, they had a reunion and the Edens were absolutely convinced. And this actually became sort of a, a, a big thing in the media. Uh, the, uh, the new Mary, Grace, and uh, the, the Edens, her ostensible parents, were on Art Linkletter's show House Party. I remember House Party <laughs> because I'm old. <laughs> well, one... Uh, one story even said that the reunion was on House Party, but then other sources said that the, the House Party episode wasn't until March, so I'm not really sure. So Wow, Art that, Linkletter. There's a name I haven't heard. We're going to be talking about, like, Charlie Callis and and all those old guys. Oh, let's let's talk about Milton Berle <laughs> dressing up in women's clothing, and he has a massive penis. I was going to say, didn't he have a massive penis? He had a you, you, uh, little side story here. Have you heard the bet that Milton Berle had with Cary Grant? I think I heard it at some point, but you're going to have to refresh my memory. So, Milton Berle and Cary Grant both had legendary penises. <laughs> Peni? Don't know. Nobody knows. So, the story goes is that one day, Cary Grant and Milton Berle both end up at the same party. Think of, think of Cary Grant, for those who don't know, he's the John Hamm of the day. Also owner of a legendary penis, from what I understand. <laughs> It doesn't seem fair that he seems like such a nice guy and he's good looking and tall and has a massive penis and he's wealthy. I digress. <laughs> Some of us only have one or two of those things, but he's got the whole package. The whole package. Thank you. I was hoping somebody would notice. Well, I'm the only one here, so uh, you got to rely on me. So the rumors start to fly around this party and they finally get Cary Grant and Milton Berle together. And they go, look... We have all this money floating around, a bet as to who has the bigger penis. Oh, my gosh. Would you guys be willing to show <laughs> your penises if we give you, like, half the money? And like, well, we don't need it, but, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and go for that. So, Cary Grant whips out his dick. 
Milton Berle looks down and goes, yeah, that's, that's impressive. He goes, now do I have to pull my whole penis out or just enough to be Grant? <laughs> oh, God, that's classic. It's absolutely classic. So anyhow. <laughs> Back to the non-penis talk. Yes, there is no more penis talk in the story itself. I can't guarantee there won't be more from Scott. So about 10 days after the reunion, the editor of the local paper, the Democrat Chief, he gets a telegram from somebody at another newspaper in Stockton, California. So this is near where uh, Grace Reynolds comes from. I'm going to read this in old-timey telegram. Okay. Confidential. Have information. Grace Reynolds representing self as daughter of Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. L. F. Edens. Your city may be imposter. Believe her to be daughter of Mrs. Goldie Thomas and former husband Tom Gaither. Please give additional details, means of identification, financial circumstances of Edens. We will exchange our information for anything more you can provide on this case. So basically, they get a note saying, uh, hey, she's fake. She's not, you know, we, we, we know that she's actually uh, the, the daughter of this, this Goldie uh, Thomas, and she, she couldn't possibly be the real Mary Edens. And that Stockton paper even got a notarized statement from Goldie Thomas, Grace Reynolds' mother. I hereby certify that Grace Leona Reynolds, nay Gaither, is my lawful daughter. She was born on July 11th, 1923, on a farm near Cotton Plant, Woodruff County, Arkansas. Damn! So, but keep in mind, this woman, if, if her daughter is going and saying, I'm the real Mary Edens, I'm the real Mary Edens, that makes her a kidnapper. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a shitty situation. So the woman who's claiming to be the true mother, is she blood tested? I don't know. And I don't know even know if blood tests were like good enough back then. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's I, a hard call to make. Yeah, I get it. We were, we were just out of the uh, stage of leeches. Yeah, basically. Medical science hadn't really caught up. So these two papers in, in Stockton, California and in, uh, in Oklahoma were working together trying to break this story. And they started getting information about Grace Reynolds. Uh, people said that she had started claiming 10 years ago that she had no family. She came from, from nobody because she wouldn't be likely to get a job in a swanky high-end department store if people knew she came from a poor family. And there's a lot of this going around and a lot of information from her siblings and everything. And so these two papers, they have an agreement that they will break this story simultaneously, which is a nice, a nice gentleman's agreement to Absolutely. have. Absolutely. So are you ready for a great name? Please. The owner of the Hobart Democrat chief, Ransom Hancock. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. And you said there'd be no more penis talk. I know, I lied. Can you lied imagine so the, the length and girth <laughs> of, Ransom of Ransom Hancock's Hancock. trouser package? <laughs> It must look like a dune sandworm. Spice must flow. I will not fear. <laughs> so he's the owner. Of the, and this is a small town paper. Everybody knows everybody. And of course he knows Lewis Edens. Mm -hmm. So he goes to Lewis Edens and he says, here's what's up. We have all this info that Grace is an imposter. And we're supposed to publish a story about it. And Lewis says, could you not? Please, because my wife cannot lose her daughter again. She's absolutely oh certain that this woman is her daughter, and she can't go through that loss one more time. Can you just keep this one under your your, your 50 style hat, please, Ransom Hancock? Could you please just tuck this underneath your massive penis? <laughs> yes, please. Keep it keep it hidden there forever. <laughs> no one will ever see it. Jesus. And so he did. Nude Beach looks like an eclipse. <laughs> 
he kept all the files and all the information secret. Um, he didn't really tell anybody for a, lo a long time. He would eventually, but he didn't tell anybody. Grace Reynolds even published a book in 1980 called Mary, Child of Tragedy, the story of the lost child of the 1924 Bab Switchfire, which is really not available unless you're willing to spend $85 on Amazon or uh, go to eBay and spend $125 plus four for shipping. So I did not buy that. No. So for many, many years, Ransom Hancock, he of the large penis and amazing name, kept the secret. It would be really, really ironic if he had a very small penis. <laughs> You know what? It would be one of life's great ironies. But he was a great man. He was a great man. So even if he didn't have a massive package. What really matters is his, his moral turpitude. He, he had a Which is a word that sounds like it means something else. <laughs> he had a massive metaphorical package. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. So he kept the secret for many, many years. And then he passed it on to his son, Joe Hancock, who took over the paper. Uh, and they both kept a secret for 42 years. Damn. Did not say a word until both of Mary's parents had passed away. Uh, her two surviving sisters knew what was up, really. Um, either they figured it out on their own or their dad told them or some combination of the two. And on the 75th anniversary of the fire, Christmas Eve, 1999, they published uh, Jay Grellen uh, of the Oklahoman and also another journalist. I wish I had his name. Ah, shoot. Of uh, the uh, Democrat chief published it uh, simultaneously, uh, basically letting the truth out. Mm -hmm. Grace, as of that printing, still claimed to be Mary. Wow. Yeah. And anybody saying differently was just jealous or sibling rivalry or whatever. Or didn't want their, you know, she had siblings who said, you know, she's not. She's not Mary. She's not Mary. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, well, they just don't want it to be known that their mother was a kidnapper. So she had this whole, you know, yeah. So still claim to be Mary. And uh, her sisters or the, the people she claims are her sisters are like, well, one of them was like, well, I, I won't say that she's, you know, it's a hoax. But I also won't say that she's related to me. <laughs> so That's weird. I have siblings that I claim are not related to me. And yet they are. <laughs> You don't like to admit you share genetics sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the Mary Eden's Bab Switch Schoolhouse Fire story and the amazing tale of uh, two newspaper men with great morals. Great, huge, throbbing nine-inch morals. <laughs> <laughs> My sources for this story are Jay Grellen of The Oklahoman and Wikipedia. I don't have any sources. I didn't know this was going to be happening. Well, I mean, you kind of knew something was going to be happening. You just didn't know something. what. Something. I didn't have any time to research this. This was me making dick jokes for the entire episode, really. Well, you know, you got to play to your strengths. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. And I am strong with the dick jokes. I'm the pen. I'm playing with the pen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do a little uh, something in the outro. <laughs>